0: Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. I love to read the scriptures and I love to consider the ways of God, particularly as it spans the scope of God's salvation plan from beginning to end. It's just the way that the Lord fascinates my heart in his word is to look sometimes to be able to zoom out and look at how he weaves together a beautiful redemptive plan from beginning to end. And it's often the way that the Lord speaks to me in connecting those uh, pieces of salvation history and to recognize the privilege that we get to be written into the story of God and to participate and to partner together with the Lord. And as we were praying at this rock that was used by a former pastor of this church to pray over the city of New Britain... And that there was a testimony there to the prayer that took place. And and it refers to the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That there was something that we were tapping into. That if we just had natural eyes, we see a rock with a plaque on it. But if we have the ability to see into the unseen, we realize that we're connecting to a testimony that shouts into our now. It shouts from history into this present moment that we're living in, and it puts courage in our hearts for future generations. He's the God of Abraham, he's the God of Isaac, and he's the God of Jacob. He's the God of our generations. And he wants to link together his purposes through our lives in the privileged moment that we're given to be birthed into this world and the part that we have to play to link what he's done in the past with what he's going to do in the future. So that we never have the perspective that we're just by chance at this generation. But that he saw before the foundation of the world us and knew our times and our seasons and that they're in his hands and that he's called us and he's formed us for such a purpose. He's placed us within the scope of history in this generation today that we might be those that link the past with a glorious future. Father, we ask that we would be able to zoom out at moments and look at the big picture, the global perspective of your redemption and that we'd be able to zoom in to moments in history, moments of time, moments in your word and be inspired that we live in both of those at the same time. Redemptive history, God has a claim on his people. But he also has a claim upon the earth. That the story of salvation is God's redemptive claim on the heart of men and women, but it's also a redemptive claim upon the globe, upon planet earth, upon nations, upon geography. That's why we have signed up to say yes to wherever he will send us. That's why we're part of a group of people that are sent ones that go, go. if he says, go there, we go there. And that's our assignment from him. Because we believe that he's not only working in the hearts of men and women, but he's also working at the same time that when redeemed people stand upon the earth in their generation, fulfill their purposes, that the land itself is redeemed. And that there's a testimony between heaven and earth that comes into alignment when you show up. There's a testimony that comes in that makes the connection between heaven and earth when you stand as a priest, when you stand as a king, when you stand in your identity as a son and daughter of God. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes tonight to see the purposes, the placements that you have for us in your beautiful plan, of redemption upon the hearts of men and women and upon the earth itself, the land itself. Thank you, Lord, that when salvation comes to the peoples, the earth rejoices and the land yields her increase. Thank you, Lord, that when we walk every place that we put our feet, we bring the testimony of heaven and imprinted into the ground so that the ground might be healed, the land might be healed, and come into alignment with the full restoration of all things in heaven and earth that we're looking forward to in the day of the Lord. I want to start out by looking at a passage of Scripture here, and Norm spoke a little bit from this passage of Scripture, and it's amazing because in the last 10 days or so, I have heard so many people sharing out of this. My my uh, family in Israel, they shared a, a God encounter from, from the story of Genesis 28. And then the, the same day I was talking to my mother who's in Spokane, Washington, and she begins to exhort me over the phone and to share. She said, Matthew, there's something I want to tell you that the Lord showed me. And I was sharing with our community there out of Genesis 28, out of Jacob's dream. And then I went down to the Supernatural Life Conference in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and there my brother-in-love there, Chandi Thomas, who was here with us last year or the year before speaking, he begins, stands up at the conference and he begins to share from Genesis 28. And then the the next day, with the guest speaker, he shares. And then the, the mother of the house there at Life Center Church, she shares from Genesis 28. At that time, we show up here, and we haven't talked to Norm about it. And last night, Norm begins to unpack Genesis 28 to us in Jacob's dream. This is a now word from the Lord if we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. So Father, we set our heart at attention to you and we ask that you would reveal yourself in your word. You know, the landscape of the book of Genesis is full of wells and of altars. You know, wells are the things that touch the earth, but they go downwards into the earth to draw the things that are hidden up to the surface. Altars are built from the earth upwards that ascend to heaven, that the sacrifice ascends to heaven so that favor might come because there's an acceptable sacrifice and fragrance rises up before the Lord and favor comes back down. And we see altars and wells that are established by the patriarchs, by the people of God throughout the book of Genesis. Genesis. Abraham builds an altar. Before that, Noah builds an altar when the ark rests on Ararat. And he comes out and he builds, the first thing he does is builds an altar to the Lord, to give honor to the Lord, to make a sacrifice. And we see on the landscape of the book of Genesis, altars and wells, stones of remembrance. Memorial stones, memorial pillars that are set up that connect in time and in place. The testimony that's established in heaven so that future generations might connect to the wonderful works and the deeds of the Lord in past generations, and God releases it again and again and again. Father, we thank you for the altars in this land, in New England. We thank you for the wells, that were dug long ago. The wells that need to be uncovered, uncapped, cleaned up, and named by the name that our fathers gave them. And Father, for the new wells that are being dug in our day, in our time, at the same moment, Lord God. And we thank you for the pillars, the rocks of remembrance, the stones of remembrance from Plymouth Rock that's going to be celebrating 400 years next year. And, down, and when we first came here to, to uh, Connecticut, the, uh, one of our alumni's father took us out to a rock um, that David Brainerd used to pray in the forest and have his tabernacle with the Lord. And we stood upon that rock and we said, Lord, would you raise up again those with a heart that would plead for you, for those that don't know you yet to come into the kingdom and experience your great love and mercy. And all throughout this place, in a few weeks, I'm going to be in Ireland, and we're having a convergence gathering of our gateways communities from different parts of the world, and we're going to be in Ireland. It's a land of wells, and it's a land of altars. And the Lord is reestablishing, and he's rebuilding altars, and there's wells that are being redug, and at the same time, there's new altars, and there's new wells that are being established. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you draw from the deep and what you bring from the the deep of heaven to us. Let deep cry out to deep tonight. In Genesis 28, the context of this story concerning Jacob is that he's had a falling out with his brother. That he has operated in his own strength and he's... Connived a way to get a blessing. And he's had a break in relationship with his brother. And yet he receives a blessing from his father Isaac. And that blessing is a blessing that was given to Isaac by his father. And it's the blessing that came to Abraham. And to Isaac, and now to Jacob, may God Almighty, in verse 3, bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. The blessing that establishes identity that links the generations, but releases an inheritance in every generation. So when we come under the blessing of God, we're established in the blessing of the fathers. We're established in our identity that we have something to walk in to be able to give to the next generation. And Jacob has to be launched out onto his own journey. He has to be launched out because he, he is learning the ways of God, the God of his fathers. But he has yet to experience it for himself. In every generation, they're responsible for their own encounters with God. That there's a blessing that's passed down that establishes identity and has the potential for inheritance, but they, we need to walk upon the paths that our fathers walked on in order to be able to say that God is my God. And to take a hold of the blessing for the inheritance in our generation that we have something to pass on to our descendants and to be established in the land that he has brought us to. And so Jacob, after he receives this generational blessing, he's led out on a journey of obedience and picking up in verse 10. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. Haran is where Abraham came from. He's reversing the the highway, Abraham's highway through the Near East. And he's going back on the paths of his fathers. He's journeying on the path that his fathers have taken and that will be a path that his descendants will walk upon up until this day so he came to a certain place well that's incredibly specific you know the difference between a certain sound and an uncertain sound like you know, the, the, in the day of battle, you want to hear a certain sound, right? So there's there's something specific to it. In this place, that, that we are, what's highlighted to us is that there's something that's going to be revealed here. But pay attention that it's a certain place. God is interested in place. He's interested in geography. He works his redemptive works in the middle of our path of obedience and walking the ways of our fathers and our mothers that we must recognize when he brings us to a certain place that we don't yet yet know. We don't understand the ways of God and yet, but we can have enough awareness to recognize that there's something that's going on here. And if we don't, God orchestrates the circumstances to get our attention. Many of us stumble in the darkness and we think that we're tripping and that we're falling and yet we are walking into a divine ambush. We're walking into a divine encounter that's going to change our lives forever if we have eyes to see what God is doing. And so Jacob, he comes to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. Thank you, Lord. If you're traveling in the Near East, back in those days, you come tonight, you need to find a safe place. You need to find a place of refuge to spend the night. You have no lights to journey through the night. And so Jacob was forced to stop at this certain place and spend the night there. And there's something about when geography and place intersects with time, when they come together in the purposes of God, we get set up for an encounter with God, a glory encounter with God. Father, I pray that you would just turn up our discernment level to understand the times and the seasons that we can recognize the places that you bring us to on our journey when they connect and they intersect with the timing of God that we'd see the encounters that we're stumbling into and we would become changed. We'd be transformed in that place. And so it's as it's getting dark and as as night is falling, it's the time between times. This was Yeshua's favorite time to spend with the Father, in the time between times, Yeshua would sneak away from the disciples that were with him all the time and away from the multitudes that were with him some of the time to get one-on-one with the Father. This was the time at dusk and at dawn when he would go away to an, a, a desolate place or an isolated place or in another translation in Mark 1, it talks about Mark 1 it says a solitary place. In Mar- uh, the, he went early in the morning in, in Matthew 14. It says in the evening, alone with the father on the mountain, in the time between times when there's a shifting that's taking place in the time between night and day, there's an opportunity for something to open up. And I want to declare for us right now, we're in a season of the change of the year on the biblical calendar. And just maybe, according to your faith, where you're at in the journey and why he's brought you here tonight is that there can be a lining up of place and of time in your life to be set up for a divine glory encounter with the Lord. To be set up for a suddenly of God. To be set up for something that will change you into another person. And he's there in the time between times. It's at night and he has to stop From his activity, Jacob was driven. Jacob was going after a blessing by his own strength, and he had to stop. He had to lay down, and he had to rest in that place, in the time between times, as the day was turning to night. Thank you, Lord. And he took one of the stones of that place, a certain place. He took one of the stones of that place, of a certain place that God had brought him to at the time between times when it goes from day to night and he it says that he put it at his head and he lay down in that place to sleep wow it's not a Tempur-Pedic. it's not chiropractor recommended he takes a rock For a pillow. Friends, night had fallen and there wasn't much around. And so he had to just deal with his surroundings. And he had to embrace the momentary and temporary discomfort. He had to be willing to endure a hard place. For the glory of what was about to be revealed. Often we're seeking confirmation of things that will bring us comfort. Sometimes the Lord brings us to a certain place where the seasons change and He wants us to embrace the hardness the discomfort, in order to get our attention, in order to bring us to a place. If we can embrace the difficulty of a moment, there's a greater glory that's going to be revealed. Embracing the press of hardship. Thank you, Lord. He had left the security of his father and mother's house, Adored by his mother, Rebecca, blessed by his father, but he had the adversity of a broken relationship that was pushing him out on a journey of faith and obedience in order to be set up for a divine encounter. He had to embrace the hardship. His father said to him, go because I don't want you to marry one of the women of this land, but go back to where we come from, to amongst our own people, that you can be joined with a woman from that land. But really, Rebecca was trying to separate, And it put a bug in Isaac's ear, was trying to separate the brothers so that something wouldn't happen. It wouldn't come to the worst case scenario. So he launches out on this journey. His circumstances seem like they're pushing him to difficulty, into hardship. And yet he laid down and slept. If we can find rest in the midst of difficulty, if we can find rest in the midst of a hard place, stay with me, friends. If we can take a rock for a pillow, just maybe the Lord is setting us up for something that as we embrace momentary discomfort, there's something of eternal value that's being established for our life. It says it like this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 18. Therefore, we don't lose heart Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It never feels like a moment when you're in the middle of it. When you're trying to turn over and because you have a, a stiff neck... When you have discomfort and you can't get comfortable in that moment, it seems like eternity. But from eternity's perspective, it's just a moment where God is working to form something inside of us that has a far more exceedingly eternal weight of glory on it. The blessing of his father was for identity and for inheritance that would be passed on to future generations. The discomfort was momentary and temporary when he embraced the hardship of where he was at. But he laid down upon the ground and went to sleep. He slept in that place. He embraced rest in the midst of hardship. Verse 12, then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to the heavens. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Thank you, Lord. In order to dream, we've got to lay down. In order to enter into the place of encounter, in order to be able to embrace the greater eternal weight of glory, we have to let go of our own striving to fulfill our own future and release ourselves and release the control upon our life to enter into sleep. God made covenant with with, with uh, Jacob's grandfather Abraham when he put him into a sleep. And he entered into covenant with him. When God made man a living being, he was laid out as a form upon the ground. He was laid out and then God reached down and he breathed into his nostrils and he was laid out and he woke into the face of God. Face to face. That's the position. That's the place when we lay down when we surrender where we could come into the greatest revelation of who God is and who we are in the mirror of his face as his sons and daughters. And so he sleeps and he dreams. And behold, a ladder is set up, a ladder between heaven and earth, a ladder that's touching the earth and it's leaning into the heavens. He's there and he sees angels going up and angels coming down. And I've often thought of this from the perspective that, that there's a movement that's happening between heaven and earth, and it's correct. But the Lord is preparing Jacob in this place of embracing the discomfort and in choosing rest in spite of the discomfort in order to shift his season, to shift his assignment, to bring him into a new place. And what has got him to this point is not going to take him to the next point. Psalm 91 says that he will give his angels charge over you. That he sends his ministers, he sends his servants to us to work on our behalf. He sent, they sends them to strengthen us in the task that the Lord has given for us to do. The Lord sends his messengers to us. And what has happening here, just maybe, is that as Jacob is embracing the rest, that there are angels that are going up that have got him that far, but the angels that brought him to this place that were ministering to him, that were by his side, it says that they will not let your foot slip. Psalm 91 the ones that brought him that far were now returning up to heaven for fresh mandate from the Lord. But God was sending new messengers. He was sending his new servants down at the same time that we're going to lead him into a new place to strengthen him for the assignment, for the work that God had given to him to do. To establish him along the way. Folks, there are places of encounter where we have to leave behind what has got us to that place in order to embrace the new In order to embrace the resources of heaven for our life, what got us there won't always get us to the next place. And when we connect to heaven, we have to be able to see that there is fresh resource from heaven that's made available. The heavens are opened. That's what he remarks. Surely this is the gate of heaven and the house of God. In that place, the angels ascending and descending father we thank you for bringing help from the sanctuary in this time and in this place to us father we thank you for sending your messengers to us lord god we thank you for the assignments i just i father i just uh, thank you lord god for the multitude of assignments lord god that you have given to your people here in this room lord even those that have come from afar during this time to be a part of this gathering, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for those assignments, and I thank you for angels that are ascending to heaven and those that are descending at this time and in this place. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our friends from Wyoming, Lord God, and that you've set up time and place, Lord, to release some things into their life in this season, Lord God. Father, we thank you that you send messengers, Lord God, that there is, there is a, a new anointings that are being released. There are new anointings that are connected to the land and as a people of the land and as a people that are keenly aware of the workings of God in the land and of the wells of what God has done in past seasons, that there's something when he's about to bring you into increase is that he adds a new measure to you to be able to fulfill the very thing that he's calling you to do. Father, we thank you, Lord, for each and every one, every family represented, every household anointing, for our friends from Maine, Lord God, that are here. Father, we thank you for the new that is being released even tonight in these days of awe in these holy days in these set apart moments the Texas crowd that are here Father I thank you for the things that are being left At the altar, Lord God, and the things that are being sent from heaven at this time. Father, we want to be so in tune with what you're saying and what you're doing in the times and the seasons and the intersection of time and place that you have brought us to. Let us see. And behold, the Lord stood above it. And he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie." I will give to you and your descendants. You know, later on, it says that the land that you walk upon, but for the fathers of the faith, their children would walk and take the land as an inheritance, but for the patriarchs, they had to lay down. Sometimes we've got this all this whole thing reversed, where we think it's like the it's the it's the generals and it's the fathers and the mothers that have to do all the walking. When the Lord's saying, actually, no, I just want to birth something through you, but I need you to lay down for a little bit. I need you to, to just rest in me, so that I can put something in you that you cannot get or appropriate on your own. So because I want fruitfulness to come from your loins and for future generations and for descendants that are coming out of you to walk into a new level of fruitfulness so that their feet can walk the land and take the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Years ago, Sarah and I and Norman Lynn, we before they moved to Hornhut, Germany, we sent them out from Cyprus. We took a journey around the UK there and we took a prayer journey to revival hotspots in the UK. And I remember on the south coast of Wales, we were there at St. Govan's Bay. And there on the side of a cliff on the, there, the wild Atlantic waters, with the waters that just beat harshly upon the cliffs, there's a little chapel where an Irish monk had left a monastery in Ireland. And what they would do is they took these, uh, these skin boats that were, they were stretched over a frame called coracles, and they would get in those boats and would raise a sail, and they would say, Breath of God, breathe on this little vessel. And wherever the wind blows, that would set their course. They had one course. When they would launch out, they would go out from the river estuaries, particularly around the Shannon River where it went out out towards the Atlantic on the west coast. It's called the Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland. And they would go the Wild Atlantic Way as radicals and they would go out of the safety of the river and the monastic communities that were in the islands on that river and they would launch into the unknown, they would launch, trusting only that the wind of the Spirit would fill their sails, and they would land. They said, Whatever shore we land on, there we will take the gospel. And so there was a monk named Govan, and he, he went out from Ireland, and the wind of the Spirit blew him to the south coast of Wales. And he, the very uh, shore that he land, landed at and the cliff face that was there, he never made it beyond that cliff. But he, he landed there with his coracle. And he climbed up and he found a cleft in the rock. He found a little, a little place. I mean, you could barely fit your body into a half of your body into it in the cliff face. Now that later on, hundreds of years later, they, they made, built a tiny chapel around it to protect it. And we went and we stood in this place. And in that cleft of the rock, the rock is everywhere. It's, ra- it's, it's rugged and, 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 and harsh. And there it's worn smooth. And we could see like about the height of the hands of a man. He spent the last 20 years of his life standing in that cliff face, in that rock, praying for a move of God like he had seen in Ireland to come to the what was now the nation of Wales. The fruit of his prayers... Didn't come until much later. But there was fruitfulness. That he didn't have frenetic activity running around the land preaching because he was sowing seeds into the very rock. He was sowing seeds of prayer into that place that hundreds of years later one of the great and multiple moves of the Holy Spirit would come where the whole nation was touched by God and he was he was doing something for a generation he would never see in his natural eyes but boy could he see it in the spirit Boy, could he see it when he was following in obedience on a radical journey of faith and his hands were pressed like it was the Western Wall. His hands were pressed against that rock and he was saying, God, have mercy upon this land. Have mercy upon this Come to the tribes of this land. And we stood there and as we placed our hands upon the rock, we felt the waterfalls of the mercy and the kindness of God. And we wept there as we said, thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of a man who was willing to be unknown, who was willing to just be standing with his face into a cliff with the wind at his back and the spray of the Atlantic coming up and the cold and the harsh elements. But in that place, he was birthing fruitfulness in a future generation. For this... momentary light affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Father, open the eyes of your servants Let us look through the Connecticut River Valley. Let us look along the coastline of New England. Let us look, Lord God, through the valleys and over the mountain ranges. Lord, let us look to see the altars and the wells and the standing stones. Lord, the places of where you've moved in past seasons. Lord God, let us look beyond it just as monuments, but let them be memorials. Eternal memorials of what you have done and what you're calling us in this generation to link our future descendants, Lord God, with those that have gone before us. Thank you, Father. And God reveals himself as the God of his fathers. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. And it's this blessing of Abraham is being passed on to, the next, uh, to his grandson. And he goes on, verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have spoken to you. Father, we thank you for the confidence of your word when we come into the place of encounter, that no matter what I see, Lord God, I recognize that you are with me, Lord God. I'm not going to move from this rock. I'm not going to move from this place, Lord, because I believe in your word, Lord, and we brace the momentary Light affliction, but it is working for us an eternal weight of glory. Choose, choose momentary comfort or eternal glory. If we look with carnal eyes, if we look with our natural eyes, we always choose what's right in front of our face. But when the Lord opens our eyes to see, when we are able to zoom out from our circumstances, when we're able to take it up, when we're able to take from the perspective, you know, in Hebrew there where it says that the Lord was standing at the top there, it could be translated either he was standing beside him or at the top. It could be translated either way. And either way it works. You know why? Because the gate of heaven was open. And the house of God was established. It's the one and the same in that moment where the God of his fathers was standing right beside of him. And the God of his father was there standing on the threshold of heaven and looking down. I am the God of your fathers. And I'm right beside you and I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. I will be with you until I perform all that I have said, all that I have promised to you. All of it. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. God reveals himself to Jacob, past, present, and into his future, to future generations. I'm the Lord of your fathers and your descendants, and I am will be with you. Now Jacob wakes up from this dream of the night. Surely God is in this place and I did not know it. Father, open my eyes to recognize your movement To recognize the house of God, to recognize the gate of heaven. Open the eyes of my brothers and sisters to recognize that you are in this place, even when we have not perceived it. He was afraid and he said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob arose early in the morning, the time between times. He prepared, he went into rest to encounter God at as night was falling and then he wakes up early in the morning and recognizes that God had been with him in the night season. There are things that God has spoken in the night season, in the hard place, in the place of discomfort. That when we wake up, don't sleep in and miss the sensitivity in your spirit. Don't sleep in and and, and where you're no longer aware of the residue of God's presence with you. He arose early and he said, surely God was in this place. He rose early and said, this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. And he called the name of that place Bethel, the house of God. It had previously had another name, and he gave it a new name because he encountered eternity in that place that rewrites the record on earth. When we tap into heaven's perspective, there's a new testimony that comes in the place, and you can rewrite, you can re-identify, that we do not judge with the seeing of our natural eyes and the hearing of our natural ears, but we judge with righteousness the way that the Messiah looks and sees and what the the testimony is of a land and of a people. We say, God, when you open the gate of heaven, we're going to give this place a new name. There's a new destiny. There's a new fruitfulness. Write your name. This is your house. Are you with me? The Lord wants us to begin to call upon the testimony of heaven and come in agreement with the testimony of heaven over your own personal family inheritance and identity, over your town, over your neighborhood, over the place of influence and the spheres that he has established you in. It's too easy to say what everybody else is saying. And we actually make covenant and agreements with darkness when we do that. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for repeating the headlines. We don't want what is sensational. We want what is eternal. That has weight upon the words that we speak. Just maybe... The move of God is connected to our agreement with our mouth and what we declare in our generation that we could say, this is the house of God. It's not called by the name that it used to be called by. And then he took that rock for a pillow, that sign of his discomfort. You see, if it was a comfortable place, something easy that he could lay his head on, it would not last but the Lord needed to establish something for future generations, so he had to embrace momentary hardship, and he took that rock, and he lifted it up, and he placed it up, and he anointed it with oil. I'm not sure, but I don't remember before this an anointing being poured out in Genesis. Genesis. I haven't said I just got this today, so I haven't studied it well enough, but I tried to quickly remember, but I don't remember something being anointed at this point, but it was a rock. We know in the old covenant that it was kings and priests and prophets that were anointed, and they're anointed on their head. But it was much more than a rock, it was a memorial. It was a testimony stone. It was a pillar. The rock that was a pillow became a pillar. And when it had that oil on it, it was set apart and it was sanctified and it was marked and it was smeared so that when heaven looked down, they saw a place of encounter where there was a man who was willing to lie down and come into an encounter with the Lord and change the name of a place and enter into the destiny that God had for it. Father, Father, we ask that you would turn the hardships, the temporary struggles of the night season, the temporary discomforts into pillars of testimony for generations to come. Jacob goes on his journey. You know the story. He goes and finds his wife. He works for Laban and he gets More than one wife, a double blessing, however you deal with that. And then in Isaiah, I mean, in Genesis 35, he comes back and he returns back to the same place. There are places that we need to come back to in our journey with God, places of encounter where we've met him with his presence and his glory. This has become a place of remembering for Jacob, a place of remembering of what God said, I will be with you until I perform what I said I would do, until I accomplish the word and my promise over your life. I'm going to be with you. Come back to those places of remembrance with what God did as he launches you into a new season, and so Jacob's on his return journey home at this point, and God wants to reveal, and he brings increase to his destiny. He brings increase to his identity. First, he changes his name from Jacob to Israel. He says, okay, you've had the encounter of the past season that's got you out is not what's going to bring you back in now, and so I'm going to change your name. There's going to be a new level of identity that you're going to step into, and you're going to walk into, and no longer shall you be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel, a prince with God, and that that will be your name, and God named him at the place of encounter. Some of us, we need to leave the old identity that brought us out and embrace the new identity that's going to bring us back in. To embrace the name of the Lord. There's a name that's inscribed in heaven over your life. That's connected to your identity and to your destiny, to your inheritance. And two, the eternal record of God concerning you. And God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. And now he adds definition to what, it's not just I'm going to bless your descendants and make them numerous. He says, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you. It's absolutely incredible. Not just descendants now. Nations. Companies of nations are going to come. I know the Lord from a young boy put nations in my heart. Father. Father. We ask that as the nations will be given to Yeshua. As a reward, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can participate. We can co-labor the nations, that we will carry nations before you, Lord God, to present to Yeshua. Lord, don't just give us according to what we deserve. And don't just give us, Lord, according to what we think we can handle. But if we're partnering with you, it's not just a nation, but companies of nations. He's bringing increase to to Israel's destiny at this point. He changes it from establishing in who he was, and he's bringing him back into the land of his inheritance and into the land of his promise. And now he's saying, I'm expanding it, that there will be nations that will come and a company of nations that will come out of you. And kings shall come from your body. Guys, what we're contending for and what we're believing for is not just for us and for our own immediate families, but as the kings will rise, as the nations will rise from our present obedience, from our obedience. Father, I don't want just a family. I thank you for my family, Lord God, but I pray that you would release tribes, that you would release nations, Lord God. That would give you glory. That we would connect to the record of what's eternal in heaven. And then God went up from him in that place where he talked with him. So interesting. It doesn't say that God came down. It said he appeared. When he comes back, he's going to appear. That's the hope that we have. And as Jacob is learning to recognize the ways of God, he comes with expectation in his heart. It's not that God would do it the same way, but God would reveal himself as almighty. And God comes back. This time he appears to Jacob. He doesn't see the ladder, but there's a stone of remembrance to remind him that this is the house of God. And so Jacob set up a pillar in that place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured. Now his offering is not just oil upon it, but he poured a drink offering on it and oil. With the increased revelation, with the increased destiny that's been giving, there's an increased offering that comes back to the Lord. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. He establishes it as the house of God. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the pillars. What is it that future generations will see? What is it that your descendants will see that's established by your own faith and obedience, your own journey before the Lord? Father, we want to serve your purpose is in our generation, so that there is a testimony. Even the ark of God's presence carried the testimony throughout the wilderness. It carried the testimony of the Lord. In Joshua chapter 4, the children of Israel have passed through the wilderness and through the desert, and they're here at the banks of the Jordan. And Josh, Moses is dead, and Joshua's about to lead them in to the land of their promise and to the land of their inheritance, this very same land where the Canaanites were. They're gonna, now they're going to begin to walk the land. And wherever you walk, where Jacob lied, where Abraham lied before the Lord, now the promises are starting to come into fulfillment. And God does a sign and a wonder, and you have to cross over the Jordan River. He speaks to Joshua. And he goes, tell the priest to take the ark, the testimony, the ark of the testimony out into the middle of the river. And there I will heap up the waters and you'll cross over as on dry land. And the miracle that God performed for the previous generation was going to be done now, but with increase. In the past, it was that their enemies were overcome. But now God's bringing provision that they come out, not fleeing from the land of their captivity, but they actually come out as an army. It says the 40,000 passed as the army under the tribe of Gad came through past the priests as the waters were heaped up. And God said, let one representative from every tribe take up a stone from that dry riverbed and carry it on their shoulders. And what did he say that they're to do with it? It's there in Joshua chapter four. You can read it, but he says, you're to take that stone and you're to take it to the place that you're gonna to lodge tonight in the land of your inheritance as Jacob had to be laid down before the Lord on a stone now they're remembering the testimony of God and they amongst the patriarchs in their past generations and a representative now of each tribe it's happening. Increase is coming. Now it's not one family. It's 12 tribes and there's 12 stones that are being carried out of the place of miracles where God pushed back the waters and he provided it with the ark of His presence was there. And they carried it and they brought it to where they were going to lodge and they laid down next to the stone. They started before it became a memorial. God wanted to make sure I want you to rest next to this testimony of my power and my glory. These are the memorial stones of Israel, that they may be a sign among you. When your children ask in times to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? See, they were to heap up the stones, the 12 stones, one for each tribe, like the waters were heaped up in the miracle of God parting the waters when the ark and the priest came into a place to push back the waters. Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Forever. A perpetual testimony, a perpetual memorial. pillow that became a pillar at Bethel from heaven is still seen. Now we might not see the well and we might not see the altar. Some of them have been broken down and need to be rebuilt. But heaven sees and heaven knows and there's a record that's in heaven of the testimony of the faithfulness and the obedience of men and women who gone before us. And we can enter into that same testimony in our generation by simply receiving the word of the Lord, by laying next to the stones of remembrance, by entering into rest and saying, in my generation, oh God, I want to enter into rest to be able to be apprehended by your power and glory in this generation that expansion might come for future generations, that nations and kings would come forth. Heaven puts a demand of fruitfulness on God's people in future generations. And so I'm not just believing for a fresh move of God. I'm believing for a link in the train of the testimony of God's redemptive claim on the hearts of men and women to be connected in this place and in this generation for future generations. If you can't muster up faith for yourself, what about for your sons and your daughters, for your grandchildren and their children, your children's children? And in closing, at the very end of the story, we said that these are memorials forever before the Lord. At the very end of the of the Story of God's redemptive purposes as we look into the future under the revelation of Jesus. Chapter 21. The new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, and it will be a time in a certain place. It will overlap. Physical Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the place of God's election, the place of God's choosing, beautiful in elevation, the city of the great king. A cup of praise in all the world it will be in that day. And the new Jerusalem is described in this way. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and the 12 angels at the gates and the names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. The stones, the memorial stones. The pillars that were established forever before the Lord. That are recognized by heaven. When the gate of heaven is opened and the house of God is seen on earth. And the link between heaven and earth comes. There's a picture here of the new Jerusalem coming down like a jewel out of heaven with the name of the 12 tribes over the gates, just maybe that the faithfulness and the obedience of past generations is linked together to the glory of the city of God that comes down from heaven. And that the memorial stones that are forever and that are perpetual and that are of eternity are woven into the very fabric of the new city of Jerusalem. They're of the stuff of heaven. And the way that he describes it, he says, it's like a jewel. It's like gems. And he uses this word and he says, a most precious stone. And what was a pillow of hardship became a pillar, a memorial pillar. And just maybe, as that inspiration went to the 12 tribes, and there was a stone for each tribe. Now their names are written upon the stones over at the gates of the jewel of heaven that comes down when heaven and earth come together. And it says there will no longer need to be a temple there. It's Bethel. It's the house of God. There no longer need to be no longer need to be a sun in the sky, for the Lord Himself will be their light, as prophesied by Isaiah and declared by John in Revelation. The house of God, the New Jerusalem, and it's described and measured, and it's spoken of precious stones and precious minerals and foundations of jewels that are described, and that it ends the description with 12 gates where the names of the tribes are over, and then under on the foundations those 12 gates are the names of the apostles of the Lamb. Names inscribed in stone. Precious stones now. What were stones of adversity and hardship, of faith to overcome the impossible now are the jewels of heaven. That the beauty and the glory of the great city of the holy Jerusalem that comes out of heaven touches upon earth and no longer Is there need for a temple or for a sun in the sky? Because it's all become Bethel, the house of God. And that's our future hope, is that he sees it all from beginning to end, and we get to connect with the glory of the things that will come by simple acts of obedience, of being willing to lay down in the time between times, rest our head in a difficult place, encounter the living God, that our identity and our destiny are changed, that we might embrace fruitfulness for future generations until the glory of the Lord covers the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. So it's not just about regional revival or uh, another great awakening. It's about the whole earth being restored back, about heaven and earth coming back under the purview of God's glory and his beauty And it being restored. But we say yes. We say yes. Yes for my life. Yes for my family. Yes for my tribe. Yes for my church. Yes Lord for my region. Lord God yes for the state. Yes Lord God for the northeast. Yes Lord God. For the path of faith to walk upon the paths of our fathers. Is there a yes in your heart tonight? Even things that are born out of brokenness and adversity, the Lord will make as memorials when we're willing to lay down and allow his presence to be revealed and manifest in our lives. Father, we want the testimony of heaven in this place.